everyone. Welcome back to Capitalize Your Fridays. I'm Taylor. And this is Mike. And it's a new year. So for those of you who may be checking out this podcast for the first time thinking, oh, I, I want to look into a new finance podcast, I'll give you guys a quick little intro. We're ultimately here to help people engage and better understand their finances. Mike has been in this industry for over 30 years and brings his, his vast knowledge, insight, and experience to the podcast. Meanwhile, I'm kind of the millennial aspect of the podcast. You're probably hearing the word millennial and thinking, wow, she must be super young, doesn't know anything. But I've actually been working for Altius for almost five years now and studied finance and financial planning throughout all my college years. So I do have some experience, but I'm definitely bringing in a different generational perspective. And so I think it's it's great to kind of hear both of our perspectives and see the experience from the more recent timeline of finance versus looking at it from a few actual decades in the industry. <laughs> That's a classy way of saying the grizzled old veteran uh, versus the fresh new face. But uh, just a quick reminder that any of our podcast discussion uh, ideas that we have are not direct advice for anyone individually. We recommend reaching out to any financial team you might have or advisor you might have or to us. You should reach out to us directly if you're looking for specific financial advice. Um, these are just podcasts to educate and give some uh, some ideas and, and talk to you about what, what might be worthwhile discussing with us. No. Taylor, let's go ahead and get on to the podcast. We've got a number of different episodes or different topics we want to touch on, mainly um, what to ask a financial advisor. So, um, but we want to remind you um, by starting the episode of talking about our 53 week challenge. So um, why don't you introduce us to that idea? What, you know, what was the genesis of the idea and how do people get involved? Yeah. So if any of you guys were listening to our last episode, you may have heard Mike share a little bit about how he kind of got this idea from a yoga challenge that he saw where they basically said, okay, every day we want you to do something for mindfulness, something for yoga. And we thought, oh, well, that that's so great. That, that could be easily applicable and transitioned into a finance idea. Like we should do this to help our friends, family, clients, anyone that we can reach and maybe help them get engaged in their financial planning. So our whole thought behind this is mostly just kind of getting people engaged. I think a lot of people look at financial planning and they say, oh, well, I, I hired an advisor, gave them piles of paperwork, and then they returned with a plan. And then 40 years from now, I'm going to retire. 10 years from now, I'm going to retire. And whatever happens in between just happens. Um, and yes, that is somewhat true, but I do believe that it's helpful to say, maybe I'm considering this more than just my every couple months checkup or once a year checkup. Let's make sure if something's going on, you've got the opportunity to reflect and take advantage of it. And so our purpose here is to say once a week, we will post to our social media platforms just to check in with everyone and say, hey, this is the goal for the week. So for instance, we are now on week two so this week goal is set savings, investment, and charitable giving goals for this year. So our goal is to kind of help you guys start out the year strong and say, well, this is what I want to give to charity. Here's how much I want to have saved. And here's how much I want saved into my investment type accounts. And so starting off early, it sh should give you plenty of time to get there for the whole year. 
Yeah, so it's it's trying to take uh, financial planning as that big picture concept and, and into just little weekly bite-sized chunks to, to be able to check the box and say, I'm making progress. So uh, where can the listeners find the challenge? Yeah, so lots of different platforms. If you're one of those go-getters who wants to see the entire list and just cross everything off one by one, you can just head to our website at altsfinancial.com. There's a resources tab, and so if you click into that, there's actually sub-tabs that you can see the 53-week challenge. That will pull up every week's challenge. Um, our first week's challenge was actually to complete your goal sheet for the year. So that has everything from health to physical to travel goals. And if you're looking for a goal sheet to access while you're kind of getting the year started, that's another tab under that resources page. As far as social media, you want to look at Altius Financial. So it's Instagram and Facebook. It's all in one word. So A-L-T-I-U-S no spaces financial and you would just see the one with the logo that looks like our LTS financial logo yeah and they can also find it on our, our linkedin pages those are not yeah. those are not you know they find them by using our name michael williams or taylor mcgowan um and and associated with all LTS, and they can find the information on there too um so taylor did you get your first week done did you get your goals done yeah i well so i actually um went so far as to post it to my personal social media, I thought, oh, this is a good idea. I want my friends and family to get involved in this. And so I wrote down all the goals on the goal sheet and I sent a picture of that to my, to my Instagram and thought maybe someone else is gonna copy this and do this. I actually had a couple of friends respond and say, oh, I'm gonna write my goals down. And I think it's helpful just to start the year with a few things you're looking forward to that you want to accomplish. Yeah, my problem is I usually uh, start with like 30 things and um, <laughs> I have, you know, 30 plus goals for this year, but I, I am trying to focus on you know, just a few of them uh, that are really important. So, um, and I'll post mine too. I, I uh, have written them out on our 2021 goal sheet that they can find on our website again. Um, and I'll make sure I post those too so people can see what, it, what sort of an example is. Now we have that format that does allows you to put in lots of goals in a short uh, few words, and then it's worthwhile to have people be more specific about it and have it be measurable. But, you know, smarter goals and so forth. And then you know, the, the our sheet doesn't have all those details, but I'll post mine and uh, give people an example as well. Yeah, definitely. And I also anyone who is completing this sheet, like Mike said, he's got thirty or forty goals. I think it's very exciting to say, oh, I've got 30, 40, 20, even 10 goals, but I don't want you to look at that and go, oh gosh, this is overwhelming. I may not accomplish all of this. I think what's helpful is to just have it written out so you know, this is something I want to accomplish. Maybe this happens in 2021, maybe this happens in 2021 and another three months later. Um, it's just having it kind of on your mind that way as writing it down can be a helpful thing to um, just to make sure that you're actually reaching those goals. But it, we're not pressuring you guys to reach everything you set for it. It's just helpful to make progress that way, if, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So our topic for today is what to ask an advisor, but, and, and Mike and I are both financial advisors, but does everybody really need an advisor? 
I mean, Mike, what's your thought on that? I would answer that in a couple of ways. I mean, what we do isn't rocket scientists, rocket science, um, or brain surgery, or uh, rocket surgery, or whatever the <laughs> phrase is. Um, people can learn about finance. It, obviously, there's a division of labor out there, and you and I uh, have a ton of experience, and so we can help people really learn quicker or make decisions, or they could delegate to us to get a lot of stuff done. Um, so in one sense, everyone needs lots of advisors. I mean, um, it's good to have a medical advisor or an eye doctor, you know, a doctor or, um, or um, attorneys when you need them, or, you know, sometimes emotional counseling is a good thing. So it's good to have a support system around you. And sometimes family can be that, sometimes friends can be that. Obviously, a professional financial advisor is, from our perspective, a good investment for someone who really has lots of decisions to make and wants to have that kind of experience. There's a lot of things that people don't understand about the tax law or the investing world that uh, can really can really be helped by using a professional advisor. Yeah. Well, and so what would you say to people who are maybe just getting started in their career? If they're saying, okay, I, I don't have a ton of savings yet, can they still look for an advisor? Do you feel uh, they, they need to get X amount of savings first? Uh, again, I'd say both. Um, it's amazing to me that the people who need coaches or counseling or advice or need other kinds of people, uh, oftentimes they, they might need it the most, but they're the ones who are most resistant to actually paying for it. Um, my experience is the people who are wanting that kind of advice are continually seeking out better information in their life. And so they, they want that and they, they want to pay for it. But in terms of someone just starting out, um, it's a good thing to get advice if they can. Uh, we offer um, free sessions for anyone who will come in and talk to us if they want, it, if they want a little bit of information or just find out, find out how we work. And usually those sessions are pretty informative by themselves. But like you said, you know, one of the biggest first steps is, am I on a savings program? Am I doing you know, step one, which is spend less than my, uh, my income? Am I you know, starting to create excess profit in my personal situation? Am I creating surplus value and therefore can save and invest? That's step one. And, and if a person's not doing that, um, that's gonna be one of the first things we tell them. Yeah, definitely. If, if someone's spending much more than they're saving, our likely first response is spend less, save more. <laughs> Stop digging the hole. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's it, in our situation, it typically is a lot more than just that simple response. We'll actually look into your finances and say, here are maybe ways that you can work on that. But that's, that's definitely the first start for people. Yeah, and there's a distinction between debt counseling, someone who's actually you know, just spending more than they make and therefore acquiring debt versus actually what's the best kind of debt to have? How, how should I make these financial decisions about my residence? Am I owning or renting the house? What about my 401k? What kinds of options should I take in there? There's all kinds of decisions a person needs to make throughout their life that will have a big impact on the quality of their life and their financial security. And that's what we offer. Yeah. So what... What about those people, like you were saying, people who typically would get the best out of our services, but maybe um, aren't the ones that are reaching out for it? What if they're saying, I'm not sure I can afford it? What, what are your thoughts on that? 
Well, that kind of goes back to my original point. You know, the people who say they can't afford it need it more than anything. Yeah. If you say you can't afford financial advice and you can't afford that kind of, quote, wisdom, um, then you probably need it more than anybody because you're not making the kinds of progress that you'd like to. Um, now, again, uh, we have minimums and, and, you know, we don't work for free. We do some pro bono work and we do, like I said, offer no uh, obligation meetings with, with people. Um, but if they, if they feel like they can't afford it, that probably means they need it more than anybody. Yeah. What about the people who say, oh, I, I've, I've just got a 401k. I already kind of do my own investing. I don't need to see them. Um, I mean, I know in my mind, I'm, I'm already answering this question thinking, oh, there's so much more to financial planning than just investing. But do you That's have right. any? And people can do their own investing. Some people, some of our clients are actually doing their own investing and just paying us for advice. They just pay us for financial planning advice. And and uh, then we have some people who are doing their own financial plans and they just have us manage their portfolios. But most of our clients want an integrated package where they're, they're getting both financial advice about many other things besides investing, whether it's taxes or estate planning or insurance. Um, but usually those things go, go together. And um, so what I would say to someone who, who thinks they can do their own investing is, you know, it, it depends on uh, how much experience they have, what they've read, whether they've adopted a, a consistent style of investing and whether they're willing temperamentally to implement it. Sometimes people understand what they should do, but have a hard time actually implementing it. And that's partly where we come in as well. Yeah. Well, so now let's kind of get to, let's say everyone's listening to this and saying, okay, well, I either have an advisor, gosh, I, I need one. <laughs> so let's get to the what to ask an advisor. So what's the top thing on your list of what you'd want to ask an advisor? So you're looking to hire someone. What What's the first thing you'd ask? Like you mentioned, we have a list of interview questions that, yeah. uh, we do this for financial advisors in our own profession, but we also offer this kind of thing for uh, many other professionals. So if, a if one of our clients is in the market for real estate, you know, what do you, how do you hire a realtor? What do you ask a realtor or a mortgage lender or something like that, an escrow agent? How do you, how do you interview someone like that? And we have the same thing with our, our, uh, our own profession and what they should be asking us. I think one of the, the first questions you want to one of the first things you want to get from any interview with a professional is, do I, how do I feel about this? Is there a clicking uh, in terms of personality and meshing? But that's more of a feeling. And then, then I would go into, you know, what is that person's background and philosophy? You know, how long have they been in the industry? What is their philosophy? What have they learned over the, the time period that they've been practicing? Um, and, and sort of that big picture you know, do I agree with them from a philosophical standpoint and then start to narrow down some of the other questions? So do you feel you have to be on the same, and this is me kind of going off on a tangent, but do you feel that you have to be on the same philosophical page as someone? So if, um, I know you've got more of a philosophic, um, historical background. So you've, I feel you have a wealth of knowledge in that department. Do you feel that for a client to feel comfortable, they typically have to have all the same stuff or more just an understanding of, oh, I, I think I like this person. I feel comfortable with them. 
Well, you're talking about formal philosophy in terms of my background. I meant just more, you know, do they do they share some values? Um, and when a person talks about their their background and their view, their worldview, then you start to say, okay, yeah, I click with this person. I think that we have a good um, overlap, enough of an overlap in terms of values to be able to form a trusting relationship. And that's what's crucial. Any professional that you're hiring to give you advice about your finances or about your estate or about your medical, you know, your doctor, you want to know that you feel good and trusting of that person uh, because that's the, that's the basis upon which that relationship is going to happen. They're going to tell you, here's what you should do here. In my professional opinion, here's what you should do, or you're going to delegate that to me and uh, to feel good about that. You have to have some trust and that, that trust is built on, a foundation of values, you know, quote, philosophy, um, that kind of thing. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, we have to have all matching um, exact, you know, religious, spiritual, uh, political views. None of that necessarily is the, the, the cru crucial part, but it, you got to have some trust, some uh, overlapping values there that you feel good about. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think one of the other big things that I like to make sure people are clear on is a lot of times people don't know how advisors make money. And I definitely think it depends really person to person, advisor to advisor, company to company. You can really have a, a wide range of fee structures. And so maybe you go to one advisor and you go, maybe I kind of like this guy and, but I have no idea how I'm going to be paying them or if I'm going to be paying them, where that money's coming from. I definitely think that's one of the, key things to make sure you talk about in your first, if not second meeting with a new advisor. Um, because you may find out they've got an hourly rate or maybe it's a annual fee. Maybe there's a, a one-time planning fee or a annual planning fee. Maybe they're getting paid based on how much money you invest with them. Um, and similarly to that, it can be also helpful to ask, are these fees negotiable and do they change at all? Um, typically you'll notice if there is an AUM assets under management types structure, a lot of times the more money you are investing, the less fee percentage you're paying. It doesn't mean the less money you're paying, but it, it means maybe if you have X dollars more and as that money continues to grow, they might lower your fee. So you, you should ask if there's any kind of changes in that as well. Yeah, definitely. I think that you know, whenever you're engaging a professional, you want to make sure you're clear on how they're getting paid. And, and if someone avoids that conversation, then that's a red flag. And it's interesting, our industry grew up historically out of a product sales environment where people were buying stocks from stock brokers or insurance from insurance uh, agents or mutual funds from, you know, and that was a commission type compensation. And that was okay when it, you know, when it was a originally there, but the the industry has evolved to be much more professional and fiduciary, more of a fiduciary responsibility um, to the client versus selling something. And so we have definitely, and we made the, I made this choice, uh, you know, decades ago to be more of a fiduciary and charge either by the hour uh, uh, or uh, a flat fee for assets under management versus any kind of commissions. And, and that usually gives people a more comfortable feeling about, okay, uh, this advisor is, is working on my behalf and not for some product purveyor, so to speak. 
Uh, but it's important to ask those questions and to, and to, to feel like they can under, understand it. Yeah, because in some cases, if you are working with what's typically called a broker, maybe all of a sudden they're selling you lots of products and then a couple months later, they're selling you a bunch of products all over again. And you're going, wait, where where did this 10 bucks come from here and 20 bucks come from there? It's definitely helpful just to be clear on, okay, what am I paying out for the services I'm receiving? Yep, definitely. And I mentioned that fiduciary issue. That's still a debate. In fact, there's there's uh, laws before Congress that have been approved, or, or some of the regulatory agencies and so forth that you know, that try to distinguish between someone who's giving advice as a fiduciary, meaning their their legal obligation is to look out for your interests, you the client's interests best, versus what they call a suitability standard, which is I'm not necessarily looking out for you, but this is a suitable thing for you to be invested in. And it's, it's okay generically for you to be invested in it. Um, that's a lower standard. And as I mentioned, you know, decades ago, I made the decision to become a registered investment advisor that does have a higher fiduciary standard. Now that doesn't give you necessarily any protection. I mean, you know, there's all these things, and this is going back to my philosophy. You know, there's all these things out there that where uh, people try to have higher professional standards, but those can be confused by, having credentials that are meant to have barriers to entry and to try to give you some veneer of professionalism where maybe it's not there. It always still boils down to the integrity of the individual. And that's what you want to be asking about and, and getting a comfort level and, and trying to get you know, references on and so forth so that you, because someone can talk, call themselves a fiduciary, um, you know, Bernie Madoff, you know, the famous, uh, um, financial advisor who, who ended up ripping off a lot of people was it was a registered investment advisor and you know had been looked at and approved not approved by but had been investigated by the SEC multiple times and still became you know a well-known uh, crook so there's yeah. not there's not that guarantee of it you, just because someone has a CFP or an RIA or some other letters behind their name doesn't guarantee that they're not going to be uh, they're going to be looking out for your interests, and that's what you want to feel comfortable with. Yeah, so while we definitely think that a fiduciary standard is the best because it means that we believe that we're giving the best interest and putting the best out for our clients, just because someone says they're a fiduciary doesn't mean just trust them with your whole life because you want to make sure this is someone that you trust as well. Absolutely. Another good thing to look at is the investment experience for an advisor. So is this person on their first year of investing? Are they five years in? Are they 30 years in? And also with that, what is their strategy? So are they taking a active or a um, or passive? Are they doing a growth or a value? Mike, do you want to kind of dive into some of the differences there? Yeah, at a high level, um, I think it's important to know whether that advisor is actually managing the portfolio themselves or if they're outsourcing that to someone else. Um, you know, how is how is a client's portfolio going to be constructed? Is it is it by that person who's sitting down and explaining it to them, or is it somebody else? You know, at a large corporate structure who's who's putting cookie cutter type of portfolios together. Um, maybe that kind of tilts my hand. You know, we. <laughs> 
we actually uh, construct our own portfolios. We're not we're not outsourcing them to anybody at a broker dealer or a large mutual fund company. We actually do that ourselves. But that's one question to ask. You know, a person might be comfortable with that or not. They might want to have someone else doing that. Um, in terms of asset class preferences or asset allocation, we don't want to go too much in the weeds here. But um, most most of our clients know, and most people who are listening to this might be interested to know that we do have a bias toward owning businesses and that ends up being the stock market typically publicly traded uh, stocks but there there can be a vast array of how much risk someone wants to take in in those businesses as well as making sure they're diversifying with other asset classes including bonds or real estate or gold or other alternatives um, again this is not advice for anyone uh, specific, but it's important that, that the client understands any biases the, that an advisor has and why. Um, and we definitely have our own bias toward, toward certain approaches. Yeah. And on that note, if you do meet with an advisor and they say, hey, I have a bias towards this type of asset class. And so you might see a little bit more weighting in this type of asset class. You're more than I... I encourage you to ask them why. Ask them why they like that asset class. Ask them what they believe in for the the overall class, why it may be better than others, why that's the best option to defend and grow their capital. Yeah, absolutely. Another good thing to ask there is, how often do I meet with you? How often are we gonna review this? I know at the beginning I, I kind of joked that people put things together, They've got a plan and then 30, 40, 20 years later they retire. Obviously that's not necessarily the case. I mean, typically you would meet with an advisor maybe one to a few times a year depending on your needs, but it's helpful to ask and just say, hey, am I, am I gonna hear from you again next month or am I gonna hear from you this time next year? Just so you're aware of what that relationship will look like. Yeah, you want to ask about that as well as how often it takes to set up a plan and a portfolio to start with. Usually it's more intensive at the beginning of a relationship, partly because you're you're learning about their style and their philosophy and, and they're gathering lots of information about you to make sure it's a good plan for you. And then as that trust level continues to increase and you get on a, a regular schedule, maybe every six months or so is a good time to make sure you're reviewing that plan. Yeah. Another thing to note is Oftentimes, when you do hire an advisor, I mean, any kind of advisor, like Mike had talked about, medical people, counselors, any type of advice-giving person in your life may know other great advice-giving people. So maybe you go to your financial advisor and they possibly have tax accountants either on-site or nearby where they can say, hey, we, we have clients who go to this CPA, we have clients who go to this estate planner. Um, definitely check with anyone as far as saying, oh, do you have any kind of references of people that I can reach for these other needs? Because that's also usually great if you find someone that you feel comfortable with and someone that you trust. Typically, you'll like the person that they refer. Not always, but I feel typically it's good to get referrals from people you're comfortable with. Yeah, I think most people find, you know, in a successful environment, people find financial advisors or other professionals through 
their network of friends and family that they trust. And, and we definitely have a, a good network of other professionals that we use. And oftentimes we'll refer those to our clients. And that's important to have that kind of a team approach where you're, you're collaborating with other people who are, have different expertise than you do. Yeah. Well, I know we like to, if our clients are saying, oh, I had a great experience with this tax accountant, then we usually like to say, hey, could we have that person's information? If, if you love this person and we think you're great, maybe our other clients would like that, that person as well. Good. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, we're covering a lot of good information. I think that there's, you know, those key things in terms of a financial advisor, you know, background, professional background experience and philosophy. Those are one category. Certainly the, you know, how you're paying for it, how, how much is it going to cost? How are they going to get paid? And then uh, what's their approach? You know, what is their overall approach in terms of uh, investing um, asset classes, drilling down into the weeds and then the review process. I think those are good. Yeah. Definitely. So hopefully uh, that's uh, a quick hit information about how to interview a financial advisor and some of the other professionals. Thanks for joining our call. Hopefully this was helpful for anyone considering either the value added of a financial advisor or contemplating the process of interviewing and hiring one. If you want to follow along with our 53 week challenge, we invite you to like it, follow it, subscribe to our social media, Instagram, Facebook, and our podcast. Uh, the social media platforms are saved as Altius Financial. It's typed as all one word. And so you'll see our logo, our, our little Greek column logo as the profile picture for Instagram and Facebook. And our podcast is called Capitalize Your Fridays, which can be found on all the major podcast platforms. And we hope you like that too and share it with your friends. So if you have any questions or comments or thoughts for us or topics that you'd like to hear us address on this podcast, please reach out to us either to taylor at altiusfinancial.com or michael at altiusfinancial.com. You can also check on our website, www.altiusfinancial.com. And thanks for joining us. Hopefully you have a fantastic Friday and a great weekend. Thank you.